watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes! Yes, it's me! It's me! I wasn't here last week, but I'm here this week. Keep clapping. I'm clapping for you. Clap for me doing this show every week and not skipping a week again. How will we know you wanted me to do this show every single week and not skip a week again if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you so much for taking a break from your social distancing and self-quarantining to join me here, far away from you, where neither of us will touch each other. As always, we've got a great show for you tonight. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Twitch, I think I already said Anchor, everywhere. Check us out everywhere. And of course, go to muddiedwatersmedia.com to see this and every single thing that I or anyone else in Muddy Waters Media has ever done. Be sure to like us, follow us, five star us, hit the bell if applicable on whatever you are watching or listening to this on. Be sure to just do whatever the thing is that makes you show that you're supporting us there. Like us, follow us, whatever it is. Do that thing and share this right now, this very second. The last thing that any either of us want is for your closest friends and loved ones to be missing out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday night. Be sure to give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Dad Bod calendar featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men. There's five of them right there featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men ever 
on this planet, including yours truly, Mr. April, the sweet summer boy, Spike Cohen himself. If you were looking to socially distance, what a fantastic way to do so, to have a calendar filled with men who are not all of that attractive. Not me, though. I'm very attractive. But all, you know, the, well, I, no, we're all attractive. There's 12 incredibly attractive men on there. What a great way to socially distance. $12 shipped, libertariandadbod.com, only $12, including shipping, or $30 if you want it signed by me. Again, including shipping. This episode is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party, bar none. This episode is also brought to you by Black Coffee. Go to blackbrews.com. That's B-L-V-C-K. That's that's how black is spelled. B-L-V-C-K-brews.com to get some of the finest organic cold-brewed coffee, the most delicious coffee you will ever drink. And I say that as someone who does not drink coffee. But my co-host Matt Wright does, and my mother does as well, and they love it. So be sure to go to blackbrews.com. That's B-L-V-C-K-Brews.com. And use the, be sure to use the checkout code MW for free shipping today. Be sure to get that tonight. Because I know what you're thinking right now. I need coffee. Be sure to go and get that right now. This episode is also brought to you by The System Is Down with my good friend Dan Smolt. Here's a little bit about that. Hello there, humble podcast listener. Thank you for allowing me to interrupt my fellow Americans podcast to inform you about my own podcast, The System Is Down. The System Is Down is the place where we are reviving the dying art of conversation by civilly talking about all the uncomfortable, taboo, and politically incorrect topics like conspiracies, politics, and religion. With amazing guests like Juanita Broderick, Tom McDonald, David Thibodeau, Kelly Jones, Greg Carlwood, Martin Jock, Vermin Supreme, literally Spike Cohen, along with Flat Earthers, Pastors, Witches, Moon Landing Deniers, this lady who claims to be an alien cult leader porn star this guy who says he was a literal vampire and much much more there's a little something for everyone to be offended by so if you're easily offended then off the show isn't for you but to the rest of you fine folks just make a mental note and when this show's over go find the system is down podcast on any of the platforms or by going to tsidpod.com and join me in changing the world one uncomfortable conversation at a time back to you spike cohen Hey, thanks. And, uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by the Jorgensen-Cohen 2020 campaign. Joe Jorgensen and I are fighting every single day for a freer America, and we hope you join us at JoeJ2020.com. That's J-O-J-2-0-2-0 dot com. Finally, this episode is brought to you by Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you live in Florida and find yourself injured in a personal way, be sure to go to ChrisReynoldsLaw.com or just look for this smiling, handsome face. He might already be there. He might already know you've been personally injured and he's already there going, hi, I'm Chris Reynolds. I'd like to represent you. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. I would like, oh, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is brought to you by the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like 25 bucks. You will love it. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious purified drinking water that I drink on most most episodes, I think. Most episodes of My Fellow Americans, Bulavanaka. That is delicious. Kroger water. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom, as always, folks. 
As always, we have an awesome episode for you. But it's the normal episode. You know, we've been having a lot of special episodes of My Fellow Americans. This one's normal. This is a normal episode. But it's special because you're here. We're going to be talking a couple little campaign updates. We're going to be talking about what's going on with the campaign. We're going to uh, be uh, answering some of your questions. And we're going to be doing something that is just so brave and stunning. And that is, I'm going to put up my phone number. And I'm going to have you call me. But not yet, because as soon as I do it, the calls are going to come in. And I'd like to say a couple things first. That way you got some fodder to throw at me before you call me. Uh, I'd like to give a couple campaign updates from this week. Yesterday we had the biggest, the Jorgensen Cohen 2020 campaign had the biggest fundraising haul of all time by quite a margin. And uh, I'd like to say I took a little bit of took a little bit of responsibility for it. I think Joe certainly did as well, but uh, it was my fundraising day. I was doing my uh, my twice a week fundraising calls. Just so happened to beat our, our benchmarks there. Not saying I'm ty- entirely responsible. We certainly like to say that I had my say in it. Uh, and we also put out the first in a series of incredibly powerful and moving viral videos, which I'm just going to go ahead and show to you now. I was going to talk it up first, but it's uh, you've probably already seen it. It's been seen by something like on combined social media, something like two hundred thousand people already, and is getting incredible viewing in the less than twenty four hours that it has been up. But just in case you haven't seen it, here it is now. It is uh, about our fight against police brutality and ending the war on drugs, and it is called Unlock Justice. And here it is. No. Wait, can y'all not hear that? Uh Uh-oh. Well, that's not good. I'm not sure why. Not sure why you can't hear. Let me try that again because I could hear it fine. Oh, that's why. There we go. I can fix that really quick. Holy crap. Man, I'm glad I looked. Um, Let's see here. Sorry, guys. One second. I have no idea why that's, no. There we go. There we go. Okay, now you're gonna hear it. So again, here's that fantastic ad that you just, it's very fun to watch, but not so much to hear. Um, Here you go, now you should be able to hear it. 
Something has to change. Every day we are witnessing brutality on an unimaginable scale. Every day we are witnessing systemic racism that many of us have been told about but didn't want to believe was real. Every day people are being victimized and we feel powerless. We are filled with anger, fear, rage. But it doesn't have to be this way. The police should make us feel safe, not scared, relieved, not resentful. Now is the time for change, and Joe Jorgensen and I have a plan to bring that change. End qualified immunity. End the militarization of the police. End civil asset forfeiture. End no-knock raids. End the war on drugs. End institutional racism. Make our justice system a system of actual justice. Now, more than ever, is the time to reject and disrupt the status quo. Now is the time to heal. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. I love that ad so much. Uh, so I guess y'all could hear it that time. Uh, so we put that out, and between that and fundraising calls, uh, my my regular twice weekly fundraising calls to the party faithful, uh, we had the greatest fundraising haul of all times, and I, I believe we had quite a bit of a membership drive increase as well. So it's working, folks. We are putting out an engaging and dynamic and empathetic message, an unvarnished message of liberty without pulling punches and without watering it down, but by meeting people at their precepts, agreeing with their concerns and their fears and their hopes and their dreams and demonstrating why the Republicans and the Democrats and their failed big government centrally planned ideas have failed them and created problems or made them worse and why common sense libertarian solutions are the way forward to solve those problems so that we can live better lives. It's working. We are getting there. And uh, the biggest thing right now is to be able to get that 15% in the polls because we all know that if Joe and I can get on that debate stage, it's over. It's over. If we get on that debate stage, it's going to be Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's going to be the old racist with a with credible rape, rape accusations, failing health, and who has been part and parcel of the this very system that he now claims that he's going to fix. And the other one who's exactly like that. You didn't even know which one I was talking about just then. That's how bad it is that I can describe it. Absolutely horrific person. And you're not sure if I'm talking about Joe Biden or Donald Trump, when in reality, I'm talking about both of them. And in between them, you'll have Joe Jorgensen, a brilliant self-made woman, a senior lecturer, someone who will be able to articulate complex ideas and break them down in a way to explain how these problems have been created by Democrats and Republicans and how libertarians are going to fix those problems. And of course, you'll have me between Mike Pence and whoever has the misfortune of being Joe Biden's running mate, probably Kamala Harris. And she can explain to the public why she withheld exculpatory evidence that almost resulted in an innocent man being executed even after a judge ordered her to release that evidence. 
You can have Mike Pence explain if he's decided yet whether or not the government should electrocute people for being gay. If we get on that debate stage, it's over. We win, and we already know that. And that's why it's crucial to get on there. Now, here's how we get on there. We get 15% or more in five or more reputable polls uh, before Labor Day, or actually, I think, just after Labor Day. So we've got the summer to get in front of as many people as possible and to demonstrate to them that A, we are the best way forward, and B, at the very least, we deserve a place on that debate stage. Because we're not even asking for their vote initially. We're just asking for them to say they're going to vote for us if the pollsters call them. Gary and Bill, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld back in 2016, they got 13% in one poll and 11% in another. They came pretty close. We believe social media has that much more influence. Major corporate dying lamestream media is that much less influenced Uh, less influential in the past four years, we believe we're going to get that 15%. We believe in the power of you. When I say you are the power, that's not pandering. We believe in the power of you, the grassroots supporters, to get out there, to spread the message of liberty, tell your friends and your loved ones and your neighbors and those in your social circles why you support liberty. Not by trying to cram it down their throats or attack them or, you know, attack them for their votes or anything like that, but by being empathetic and engaging and dynamic and kind and reaching out to them where they are not just in their spaces, but from their precepts, agreeing with their concerns and their their fears and everything else, explaining and demonstrating that you actually care about them, that you can be trusted, and then showing them our solutions, our libertarian solutions, common sense solutions that are based on respecting our self-ownership, not aggressing on each other, building voluntary solutions to the problems that we face so that we can move ahead and create an even better quality of life than we have now, after the boot of the neck of gov- boot of government has been removed from the neck of the people. And that's what we're going to do. And so now I'm going to do the brave thing that I do every once in a while, and I'm going to open us up to phone calls. And uh, so we are going to be doing that. This is the number to call. 813-644-2722. If your call does not go through, it's because I'm already on the phone with someone else. I ask you to... Call back. This is not a switchboard system. I'm using Google Hangouts. I answer the calls as they come in, and uh, and I often get more than one call at the same time. Uh, in the meantime, I will go through the comments here and see what we have here. Uh, Chase Oliver uh, with the Libertarian Party of Atlanta. Hey, Spike. Kudos on the amazing ad. Thanks, Chase. I, we absolutely love it very much. Um... um Matthew Crowley, Democrats already stole the Libertarian's idea of an all-virtual convention, and AP is listing it as a brand new idea. Well, that's what happens. Libertarians have great ideas. It gets co-opted by the by the the Republicans, and then uh, you know, and then they get they pretend that it was their idea all along. Um, Justin Christopher uh, says, uh, "Spike, you're a good guy for sharing this positive message and approach. Thank you, Justin. But the one thing I will say is, if nothing else." We need to change the culture of how libertarians interact with others. And, and here's why. And I'm going to break this down real quick. Every person, every individual processes thoughts and information and everything else with some combination of intuition, emotion, and intellect. And now every individual person processes it, processes it with different combinations of those three things. Not just from, And it's not just different from individual to individual. Even as individuals, we use a different combination 
based on the given day, based on our mood, based on the type of information we're being presented. We all have things that we're much more emotional about than other things. We have other things that we're much more rational and logical about. We have other things that are much more based on just our gut feeling about those things. Those are all things that are inherent and intuitive to innate to us as individuals. And that's okay. There's nothing good or bad about processing things differently. It's just who we are and how we process things. And again, it's a fluid thing. It's not even, even that's not static from person to person. Based on that, libertarians typically tend to systemize things. So we look at big concepts and big ideas. We look at really anything and we tend to try to find a way to make it fit into our philosophy and our ethos. We try to systemize it. We try to bring it into our our greater belief system. And if we find things that conflict with our belief system, we tend to try to reconcile it either by figuring out how that thing fits within our belief system or by modifying our belief system to accommodate that new bit of information. Most people don't do that. Most people uh, use more of a gut feeling intuitive approach and they also have more of a, they also will have more of an emotional pr- to approach. And not, again, it's not to say they're emotional thinkers. It's just to say they tend to look at things in a more ad hoc basis. And also a lot of them, they don't have the time to systemize things. They are so stretched thin by this system that has completely left them behind that they don't have time to systemize things. And even if they did, that may just not be the way they process things. And so often libertarians, we come at conversations and arguments and we come at it from the standpoint of arguing our ideas instead of listening to that person's, and I'm not saying all libertarians do this. I say, generally speaking, many libertarians, when we hear someone saying a political opinion, instead of listening to what they're actually saying, we apply our principles and we apply, uh, apply our philosophy and our ethos and our praxis. We listen to what it is that they're saying and we go, oh, oh, oh uh, I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong about this thing and here's why you're right. The problem is when someone is sharing their fears and concerns, they don't want to hear if they're right or wrong. They want to know what you think about it. They want to know if you agree with their, they want to know that you're actually listening to them. So for example, the example I like to get, when you hear someone talking about healthcare, and they say, the cost of healthcare is so high. I just had a situation where I went to an emergency room and it I'm stuck with a $60,000 bill or $10,000 bill or whatever, some you know ridiculous amount of money. And I now don't know when, I, by the way, I have to interrupt myself. Brett Robertson just said still, uh, no, wasn't Brett Robertson. Tim O'Connor says, I've never won an argument. I've never lost a conversation. Exactly. Let's have conversations. Let's have agreeable conversations. And since I already mentioned Brett Robertson, he says, still wondering where, where I can order my spike face mask. The spike face mask is actually available on muddywatersmedia.com. The uh, Jorgensen Cohen branded merch, there's some stuff available on lpstore.org. And there will soon be stuff at joj2020.com uh, that will be available in our store. That branded merch is coming very, very soon. But in the meantime, the spike face mask is at muddywatersmedia.com uh, in our store. Um, so anyway, so if someone, you know, they're talking about healthcare and they're saying, you know, I have this ridiculous bill from, you know, an emergency room visit, or I have a chronic health condition and the, the bills are piling up and it's ruining my life financially. And even if I die, it'll just get passed on to my, my loved ones. 
and now I'm scared. I'm scared that I'm going to die and pass on this massive debt. I'm scared that I'm never going to be able to pay this off. I'm frightened. The cost of healthcare is too high in this country. I think that healthcare is a right. I shouldn't have to worry about healthcare. And so I support doing what most of these other countries are doing and introducing universal healthcare so that we don't have to worry about this. If you're a libertarian, what are you thinking right now? Those systems don't work. Those countries are wrong. Healthcare is not a right, right? Those were probably the first things that you thought. Here's what you didn't hear, or you did hear, but that took precedence because of how you process things. They weren't leading with healthcare as a right. They were leading with, I'm scared. I don't know what my future is going to look like. I have bills piling up and no one except for Bernie Sanders and, and, and Liz Warren and AOC are giving you know a, a, an answer to, to what they're going to do. Or maybe some Republicans will say, you know, only Donald Trump is saying he's going to dismantle Obamacare or whatever. But most of the people that that's their primary concern, they're being driven to the authoritarian left. They're being driven to the Democratic Party. And we could do it with some other subject that's drawing people to the Republican Party, but I'm just using healthcare as an example. They're being driven to or authoritarian ideas that are going to make it worse because the people who are pushing those authoritarian ideas are listening to them. And they're hearing, I'm scared. And they're saying, I recognize that you're scared. It's terrible that your bills are that high. We're going to fix this. We're going to introduce a system where you'll never have to worry about a healthcare bill ever again in your whole life. It's your right to not have to worry about that. And we're here saying, well, if you knew about the real, what rights are, you would never say that uh, healthcare is a right because there's, there's positive rights and negative rights. And libertarians believe in negative rights, not positive rights. And if you read Rothbard, you would know that we've lost them. Here's what they've heard. I don't care about your concerns. I don't care about your fear. I don't care about your, your future, your family. I don't care about any of it. I care about proving a point and winning an argument. And not only now have you not changed their mind in favor of you, you've pushed them away from you. You have confirmed, and this was not your intention, but you have helped confirm the stereotype that we just care about ourselves, we don't care about other people, and we don't have any real solutions to the problems that, that people face. That's a real problem. Now, I don't expect everyone to be a messaging expert. What I am telling you is that when you hear something like that, even if you don't want to wax philosophical about the subject, you can say something very simple. What you're going through is terrible or what your loved one's going through or you know whoever you're describing, that's terrible. The cost of healthcare is ridiculous. There's no reason for it to be this high. And if you want to, you can quote the statistics. You can quote the statistics that the average American is paying three times higher, both in, in out of pocket and through, um, through tax funds. They're paying three times more than the uh, industrialized nation average, and that the U.S. government is actually spending more money per patient than most other countries. There's like three or four countries that are spending more money. And those countries, there's no money being spent out of pocket by their individual taxpayers. It's all just tax money. Our, our government is spending almost as much, and then we're paying like nearly double that out of pocket. The system's broken. You agree with them on that. You say the system's broken. If you want to go even deeper in it, you can talk about the fact that patent protections allow pharmaceutical companies to go in and, and, and or not even pharmaceutical companies, uh, venture capital companies to go in and buy pharmaceutical companies, gut their research and development departments, gut any new drugs being made, gut everything except for two things, production and intellectual, uh, intellectual property, production and distribution and intellectual property, controlling those patents 
and ba- making the drugs and they drive up and then they jack up the price of those drugs 20 30 100 1000 times what they were before do you know why they can do that because the government protects those patents there's something you can hit them with after demonstrating you care about them and their concerns you can talk about certificate of need laws where the reason that there aren't more hospitals and 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 pharmacies and or not pharmacies but hospitals and MRI machines and, and other medical centers being built is because they have to basically beg the government to allow them to build them. They have to get petition signed to demonstrate a need for that service, which artificially restricts the supply of health services everywhere in the country. You could talk about a thousand different things. You could talk about the history of how each infringement of government into the market of healthcare has caused the price of healthcare to, to go up, starting with FDR and, and moving through Medicare and Medicaid and everything else. You can have that conversation with them. But first, please agree with them that this system is broken. Demonstrate that you care about them. Demonstrate that you want something better for them. Don't worry about winning an argument. It's like, I forget who it was that said it. I don't know that I've ever won an argument and I don't know that I've ever lost a conversation. Demonstrate that you care and have a conversation with them about how we're going to make things better. That's the that's how it works and that's how we do it and that's what we're going to continue doing. I am interested by the fact that no one has called in. And I say that because usually I put it up and 20 seconds later there's a call and I'm just wondering if it's actually working or not. It might not be. So if... If you can let me know in the comments if you're actually trying to call, uh, then you can let me know. But I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's what we that's what we are doing with the way that we present things. And let's see another thing. Um, a lot of people saying just really nice things about me. So I'm not going to. Okay, here's one. Uh, Kenneth Vegans, will you or Joe make a mini series talking about how you plan to implement your policies? This has been a consistent feedback as we send users to joj2020.com that the policies are too high level. It also helps us save time with engaging new people. Kenneth, thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much uh, for driving people to the website. And also thank you much so much for your suggestion. Yes, we actually are working on that. First, we're going to work on uh, even slightly further back uh, saying, uh, kind of putting together videos where we encourage people to imagine a future in which the wars have ended and the, the war on drugs has ended and police brutality has ended. And we'll go into somewhat of a detail of talking more about the benefits of what will happen when those things are over with the idea that the next round of videos will be getting into specifics about how we will implement the policies, why our solutions work, why the current solutions don't work, um, and, and moving forward from there. So, uh, yeah, no, that's definitely something we will be working on. Um, Oh, the number is covered up? Oh. That's really? That's weird. You should be able to see it. Anyway, yeah, no, the number is. Oh, now you can't see it at all. The number is 813-644-2722. I'll put it there. Hopefully you can see it there. Anyway, um, oh, and that now it went away. Uh so yeah, so that's uh so we are actually working on that. Um, let's see what else here. Oh, people are saying that the reason there are no calls is because they're entranced by my wisdom. That's we'll we'll call that the answers. Um, Jolene Ridley Hakey, I think that's how you say that. Hake is saying, I'm having issues explaining the open borders. That's, that's an excellent question. Um, the, uh, so with open borders, we agree with going back to what the founders intended, which is reopening America to as much migration as we, the people want. Um, the original intention was 
if people wanted to come here, welcome. Come, welcome to come here. Uh, and if we want to leave, okay, we'll see you when you get back. Uh, this idea that government should control your coming and going from their, the borders that they control, that is actually a relatively new phenomenon that has ended and or actually started as a result of the, the world wars. That was what initially started that. And it wasn't because of the world wars. It was just in that era. And it largely came as a result of economic protectionism, the idea that uh, if you allow people to come in, then they're going to steal all the jobs and drive down the, the uh, wages. And we have sufficient amounts of empirical data to show that that's not what drives down wages that has nothing to do with that and uh and then all of the other uh common tropes about for example uh um uh, for example that you know uh, uh immigrants are more likely to come here and use welfare uh the data shows us that immigrants are uh poor immigrants are far less likely to use uh the welfare system than poor people that are born in the US or even just the general public of the US uh, the, the tropes about immigrants coming here and committing crimes, uh, that was actually a trope that was used when, uh, when my ancestors were coming here, uh, in the, uh, late, uh, 19th century and early 20th century that, you know, they're coming here and they're, they're bringing their violent ways. And the data shows that, uh, immigrants are less likely to commit violent and theft crime, actual, you know, actual crimes, uh, than, uh, than native born Americans. Um, and so, um, those things just aren't true. Um, and, uh, the government really, the government's own say only say should be in telling you whether, uh, you know, whether you want to become a citizen or not, because that's, you know, you're becoming a citizen and you can vote. And so it, it makes sense for them to set forth some kind of criteria for becoming a citizen, as long as it's fair and doesn't, you know, unnecessarily discriminate or exclude anyone. Um, and, and allows people to, to, you know, join on the merits of wanting to become a citizen. Um, but the idea that it should be controlling people coming and going, it doesn't really make sense, and it actually imposes on you as an American. It, it violates your right to host or hire or house whomever you wish on your property or to travel to properties where you're welcome. Why should the government have a say in that? Uh, we don't believe that government should tell you whether or not you should be able to go from South Carolina to North Carolina or from Virginia to West Virginia. Why would it be able to tell you if you go from the U.S. to Canada? For what purpose? Why? And when we think about the kind of surveillance state and police state that has to be created to effectively enforce those rules, because keep in mind, we have quite a police and surveillance state as it is, and yet there are millions of people here illegally. So in order to really, when they say we just need to enforce the laws on the books, what they're really saying is we need to massively ramp up the police and surveillance state that is in place and place even more infringements on your ability as an American to move about unmolested because... In order to be able to stop people from coming here, you have to be guilty until proven innocent. Because innocent until proven guilty allows some people to slip through the cracks. So they'll have to end that. They'll definitely have to end due process. They'll have to end the presumption of innocence. They'll have to uh, end you being able to you know, get a job without having to get permission from the federal government first. They'll have to end you being able to even get utilities put in your name or rent a home or get a mortgage or really do anything that you want to do without getting the federal government sign off to make sure that you're here legally. The kind of system that would have to be created in order to keep people from coming here is not one you'd want to live in. It already isn't one you want to live in, and it would have to ramp up even more in order to effectively stop that. Instead, we should simply allow people to come here. And we should also stop uh, allowing our military and intelligence services 
stop them from destabilizing foreign countries, which causes massive amounts of discord in those countries and its suffering, which leads them to flee just for their own survival and come here to get away from it, go, go to other places to get away from it. Let me give you an example of how that happens. So for example, the there are a handful of uh, zip codes in the U.S., where the average income in those zip codes is like 100 times higher or 50 times higher um, than they are in, in most other parts of the, just the, the average income in the U.S. So, for example, there are a few in the Miami area. There are a few in the Beverly Hills area. There are a few in the New York area. These are places where the cost, where, where the, where the, um, uh, where the income, the average income and the average wealth there is exponentially higher than it probably is where you live right now. And there is not a single legal barrier, unless you're on parole, there is not a single legal barrier that is stopping you from moving there right now. Are, are you are you planning, are you moving right now? Are you, were you, are you pulling up like how to move to those areas? Do you know why you're not? Because you have a level of relative comfort that is keeping you where you are. It might be that you could go there and become wealthy, or it might be that you go there and don't become wealthy, but you have a level of relative comfort where you are relative to your own standard of living that you're not moving. Or you might be thinking of moving, but it's only with the promise of a job and, and some kind of security uh, to, to do that move. Well, that's true of anyone. Someone who is living in what their level of relative comfort in Honduras or Mexico or uh, wherever, uh, Zimbabwe for that matter, they aren't, gonna, they aren't looking and saying, oh, you know what? It looks like they're a lot wealthier over there. I better go over there right now so I can live somewhat better life. I have a chance of living a better life. We don't do the same thing. We don't look at pictures of Beverly Hills and go, I'm going to move there tomorrow because they're wealthier there. It's not how it works. People typically don't move, especially to a place. And again, in the, in, the, in the situation with New York or Beverly Hills, we'd be moving to somewhere where the people speak the same language as us, where they have the same relative culture as us, where it's still the United States and there isn't much of a, of a, of a process of us learning how to live there. And yet we still don't move. There's almost no barrier to us moving. And yet we don't move. The reason they're moving here isn't just to do somewhat better materially, although there's some of that. Most of them are moving because things are terrible in their home countries. And those are often tied to destabilization efforts that are happening as a result of U.S. foreign policy. So ending those policies and allowing those countries to stabilize and heal would also do a long way with, with causing a lot of the, the disruption of migration of humans to begin with. But for whatever reason people are coming here, in order to not create a massive infringing police state that infringes on you every bit as much as it does on them, we as libertarians believe in reopening America to the migration that the founders intended. And I hope uh, I hope that that answers your question. Christopher Reynolds says, that mic is huge. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, uh, Colin Daly. Oh, thank you. I'm, I, you know, I don't, I, I, that, it means a lot to me, Colin. I, I don't want to read, I don't want people to think I'm just blowing smoke up myself with some of these comments, but you guys are, are really saying some real nice things about me and that means a lot. Um, let's go through some of the comments here. There is no way that Hangouts is working. Oh, and I'm getting voicemails. So it definitely is not working. Um, it is definitely 100% not working because I'm getting voicemails, which means the calls aren't coming through. Oh, and I've got a bunch of voicemails here. So yeah, okay. Call system's not working. I'm not 100% certain as to why. 
Let me open, open Hangouts on another browser and see if that works. Uh, let's see. Because I like taking your calls. It's always fun. It's always it's kind of a little scary too. It's a little scary. Um, not knowing who's going to call. Um, but so I do have the number up, uh, and I do have that uh, up. And there we go. I knew it was so. Okay. Three oh, uh oh, three oh nine area code. Uh, thank you for calling. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Hello. Hi, uh, three oh nine area code. Who is this? Um, this is Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Do you mind uh, muting uh, the show while you're on with me? I just just so it. Okay, thank you. How are you doing? I am doing great. That's fantastic. How can I help you? I was wanting to know what the um, Jurgensen Cohen position is on Child Protective Services in their current form. Mm-hmm. Right now, there is cramp- rampant corruption with little to no oversight, no accountability. I'm speaking as a parent that was a victim and as a child that grew up in the system. I spent eight years in the system before I was adopted. Um, I think I actually had a dog in this fight. Um, my children were wrongfully removed across state lines with no valid court orders. And I can't get any kind of justice. We got our children back. We won our state case and we're told have a nice life. Um, and we don't get any justice. No one will take a police report, even though there's evidence of crime. Yeah. Um, qualified immunity. Can't get a lawyer that wants to take the case because it's so hard exactly. to break qualified immunity. Yep. Um, and the DOJ won't take reports for willful deprivation of civil rights. So I understand the Cohen or your the Jurgensen Cohen platform is to repeal qualified immunity, which would do wonders for our cause, but there is more that can be done, and the DOJ needs to prosecute the corruption yes. and prosecute the offenders in not just the police um, capacities, but also in the prosecutor's offices, in the court system, when you have court employees committing crimes and taking away petitions and not filing court papers so that you can't do anything about things because they're not done correctly in the first place. Right. right. Um, and CPS workers that just go around doing all kinds of things, thinking they have no repercussions because it's so hard to get past qualified immunity. Cause they don't, because there, there, there are, because there, there are no re- repercussions. Exactly. Exactly. There's still criminal acts and the DOJ doesn't prosecute. Would you be willing to enforce willful deprivation of civil rights against all agents of the state and not just law enforcement? Yes. And and thank you for this question. And I'm so sorry what you have gone through and what your children are going through and what your family has gone through. It is it is an absolute as you said, it's a it's it's criminal not just in the in the legal sense, but in the moral sense of what they have done. And Joe Jorgensen and I and I and I appreciate you you, you understanding exactly what the problem is here. The the DOJ is not going after willful acts of deprivation of civil rights and it's not going after uh it's 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 allowing qualified immunity. So folks, we talk about qualified immunity a lot. 
and we tend to focus on how it allows for police brutality that by uh you know by allowing uh government officials including police to simply say well i thought what i did was perfectly reasonable and them not being able to be held accountable as a result of that allows them to it incentivizes bad behavior and it punishes good behavior by government officials and we tend to focus on how police officers are abusing that and and it is there are a lot of police officers that are abusing that and again if you're a good cop, it's actually punishing you. And that's why qualified immunity needs to end. What we don't talk about is the fact that it's not just for cops. It's for all government officials, including politicians, and in this case, including CPS workers. And if someone has violated your civil rights, qualified immunity allows them, if they're government officials, to almost assuredly not be held accountable for it. That would include. I spent uh, the last eighteen months trying to figure out how you get past qualified immunity, and yeah. I can do it in my case because I'm articulate and I have an education, and I'm not in a system of poverty that allows me not to be able to do that. But there are countless right. parents that have no repercussions because they do not have the capacity yep. that others do. Yep, exactly. And that's and I'm glad that you're fighting this fight, but it's like you said, so many of the people that are in this system, they don't have the means or wherewithal to fight it. And even if you do, it's not guaranteed that you're going to win it. So yes, we will absolutely end qualified immunity with the recognition that it will also be dealing with this problem with CPS in in CPS across the country that are basically engaging in child kidnapping. And like you said, child kidnapping across Thank state you. lines. Thank you for saying that. Thank yep. you. It is. It's kidnapping. And we will also use the Department yes, of is. Justice as a Department of Actual Justice. And that will mean often going after abusive government officials, abusive police officers, abusive departments, abusive agencies, and abusive politicians at both the state and federal level. That's what justice is supposed to be. We have been taught that justice is this so-called law and order thing, which is basically militarization of conduct, of d- domestic treatment of how the government treats us as individuals. That law and order, con- concepts like order and justice and tranquility have been we have been reprogrammed to believe that that means us complying with the diktat of the state and that's not what it was supposed to mean it was supposed to mean that if someone violates the life rights or property of any person that they would be held accountable for it regardless of who they are and that is if we were to have a department of justice if a government is to exist for any reason other than to protect the lives and rights and property of the people then whatever other roles it's taking should be ended, and that is all it should be doing. So I appreciate you calling. We will end the child kidnapping. We will end the wanton disregard for the rights that are often happening by the very people who are sworn to uphold them. And I I appreciate you being brave and calling me and asking about this. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for taking on our cause. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. You too. Hearing stories like that, it, it... it drives home why we're doing this. The things that are happening every day as a result of poorly, arbitrarily defined, centrally planned authority being granted to people without any oversight or accountability or any way of holding them the same way that they would hold us. You know, these are the folks that tell us that if we are interacting with law enforcement or government officials, that we have to be at our best behavior even when we're scared that we can never make a mistake because they might fear. They might have fear. But then they can calmly and casually, if they choose to, abuse our rights and we have almost no no repercut, no, no, um, no way to hold them accountable. 
Um, so, oh, lost him. Whoever it was that just called, please, uh, please feel free to call back. I'll be happy to take your, to take your call. Uh, let's go through. There was a question here. Um, there was a question here. Okay. Okay. Rainbow Wolf uh, says, hi, Spike. I'm newish to the party. Uh, so far, the toughest thing folks want to argue about is the electoral, electoral college system and how the LP could never win. Is there an easy way to address this stumbling block? I'd vote for them, but there's no way they could ever win the electoral votes. Now, I mean, the easy way to answer that is that we can win if you vote for us. Enough people vote for us, we win. Uh, it's actually, you know, there, there's a misconception about the electoral college that you can't win unless, you know, unless you have enough people in your party in Congress. If we win enough votes that we win the Electoral College in an election, the people that are in Congress recognize that if they were to try to dis, you know, decertify that and just vote for who they wanted to, they would cause a constitutional crisis that would almost certainly lead to a civil war. So I have never bought into that idea that because we have an Electoral College instead of a popular vote, that if we won enough to actually win the EC, that we wouldn't be certified by Congress. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. The states have electors. They would elect us as as they are bound to by their state, and that would be certified by Congress if they don't want to end up leading to a massive constitutional crisis. I mean that you know we talk about you know we'll hear often in the media this is a constitutional crisis. No, not certifying the winner of a federal election because it's not who they wanted, even though we won straight up and fair and square. That's simply untrue. Um, uh, NX, sorry, it's Nixixon. NXIXN says, what is the absolute best and most impactful way a single person can help propel, propel the LP ticket to, to get into the debates and win? Well, for the debates, if you get called by an opinion poll, tell them you're voting for Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, because we need to get that 15% so we can get on the debate stage for the, for the polls. In general, here are the things that you can do. Uh, if you're not already following us on, on social media, be sure to do so. Spike Cohen, Joe Jorgensen on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, Joe Jorgensen is on, also on YouTube and on Instagram and on... I always forget these. Anyway, she's on social media if you look for her. Go to joj2020.com, sign our volunteer form to sign up and, and, and volunteer for us. Uh, if you're able to contribute, we would greatly appreciate a contribution from you. Um Join the Libertarian Party if you haven't already. LP.org slash join. Um, it is as little as $25 a year. Become a member of this party and have a say in it and take part in it. And then arguably more importantly than that, after you join the National Party, join your state and local parties. Many of them are free. Some of them are free. Some of them, it's you know $5. Most of the local ones are free to join. They do ask for donations and help if you can give it. Join at the local level, at the state level and at the local level. Become a part of your party. You, the, When I say you were the power, I mean it. The grassroots of this party, the people who are having conversations with their friends and their families and their loved ones, the people who are knocking on doors and making phone calls and buying signs and putting them out in front of their yard and wearing, you know, our merchandise and sharing our content on social media. This is the army of liberty that is going to push forward, not just our campaign, not just the presidential and vice presidential campaign, but all the way up and down the ballot. It is you that will be doing it. 724 area code thank you for calling who am i speaking with this is tim hey tim how are you doing i'm doing all right how are you i'm doing great how can i help you 
Uh, I was just wondering tonight um, what you think the role of college campuses are going to be in your campaign and if you plan on doing a college tour in the fall. Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much for your, for your call and asking that. The colleges are going to be one of our biggest plays, folks. And I know some people don't believe that. I've told people that and they go, oh, no, there are a bunch of left wingers. They're voting for Bernie, Bernie Sanders. I've done college tours both online and offline during the nomination contest. And we'll be continuing to do that now in the general election. And here's what I saw. I saw a bunch of people who this system have completely left behind. They are completely scared. These are adults. Some of the most, this is, we are told that Gen Z is the most highly educated generation in American history. And I don't doubt it. These are smart, smart kids. And they recognize that they're screwed. They recognize that this system has completely left them behind. They recognize that wages have gone up modestly, if at all, since the time that their parents and grandparents were in their position at college age. And during that time, the cost of living, especially the cost of higher education and housing, has gone through the roof at the same time that competition for the very jobs that they're looking for has also gone through the roof. They recognize the system has left them behind, which is why they are drawn to people who are promising to take care of those problems. Not just because they're promising free stuff. It's not, oh, they're a bunch of lazy kids. Only the Democrats, in many cases, are the ones who are even pretending to care about them. Only Bernie Sanders and AOC and Ilhan Omar and you know uh, Liz Warren and uh, Joe Biden's not even trying. They show up, they say, we recognize that the cost of college has gone through the roof, that the cost of education has gone through the roof. And when, you're, when your parents and grandparents tell you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just pay for it yourself, that it's not possible to do that. And when they talk about how they, they owned a home a few years after, ending, after graduating from college, it doesn't work that way anymore. The cost of housing has gone up like 30-fold since they bought their homes. They recognize it, and they basically pander. They show up and they go, we recognize it. We recognize your pain. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix it by doubling down on the very policies that brought you here in the first place. But they're at least saying they're going to fix it. So when I talk to college campuses, and the short answer to your question, Tim, is yes, we're going to be doing college campus tours. But I'm going to talk about what we actually do when we do those tours. I don't just show up and hand up pamphlets with you know, uh, you know, know, one of the founding fathers' faces on it and go, join us for the army of liberty. That's not going to land with them. They don't care about that. They don't care about smaller government. They don't care about taxes. They... Honestly, they often don't even care about war. They do care about police brutality and they care about, you know, uh, the war on drugs and they care about uh, gender equality and things like that that we that we agree with, or at least gender equality under the law and that, that type of stuff. But they don't care about, you know, when we say get government out of your pockets, they don't care about that. They don't see the government being in their pockets. They see the colleges being in their pockets. They see student debt being in their pockets. They see their inability to possibly get a job when they get out of college. And if they do get a job, it being not paying that, you know, not, not paying all that well, they see that as being in their pockets. They see corporate greed as being in their pockets. And so when we show up and talk about government, they don't care about that. If anything, they want government in the pockets of the people that they think are responsible for this even more. So let's agree with them. Let's agree that the cost of college is through the roof. Let's agree that corporations have created a system that has completely left them behind, that corporate cronies, well-heeled cronies, and their favored pandering politicians have left them behind. Let's agree with all of their precepts. Let's focus on uh, empathizing with their fears. That's what I did when I went to college campuses. And then I would talk to them about ideas they'd never heard of before. I'd say, 
Let me ask you something. If instead of having to spend 48 years in college and running up tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt, what if you were able to just go straight to that part where you're apprenticing under someone who does what you want to do for a living? What if you could just do that? And instead of, and, and skip that, you know, get that 48 years of your life back and that tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in money back, plus the interest, obviously, if you're doing student debt. What if you could get all that back and just start working directly under people who already do what you want to do professionally? And once you reach a level of excellence or mastery of that, they give you their official trade stamp of approval and you can go and do it professionally using that trade stamp. And they go, that's great. I'd love to do that, but I can't do that. And I'd say, yeah, but why? And they'd say, because I have to go to college. And I'd say, yeah, but why? And they say, because I have to, I have to get a degree. And I'd say, but why? And that's when they got it. Because government made it so. They have to do that. All of a sudden, that benevolent government that was going to give them all the things they needed, they recognized that government was who put them in that situation in the first place. With the ridiculous educational requirements and occupational licensing laws that tell you that you have to spend years in school and spend tens of thousands of dollars if you want to braid hair or cut hair or do makeup or really anything else. And then once you've done that, then you have to buy licenses and pay taxes and do everything else if you want to do it for yourself. And if you want to work for someone else, you're not going to make much money because they're having to pay for all that stuff. And now it makes sense. So yes, I am a big fan of going to the colleges and I've converted many many former left-wing college college students and former Bernie bros and Yang gangers and Tulsi supporters. And I forget what the, what the Tulsi uh, alliteration is there and bring them to our side because these aren't doctrinaire socialists or, or doctrinaire big government liberal, just like most Republicans aren't doctrinaire, you know, conservatives or doctrinaire economic protectionist populist. They're scared. And someone spoke to them from their precepts. And it worked. And we can do the same thing. And the difference is we do it and then we present ideas that actually make sense. That when you actually weigh it against other ideas, it makes sense. Because it's based on the spontaneous nature of individual human action in a freed market. Spontaneous and dynamic and contrasting that with the brittle poorly ill-defined, arbitrarily written, crony-friendly plans of the Republicans and Democrats. So yes, I will be doing college campus tours. I will be doing tours and housing projects in marginalized communities. I will be going to the places that big government status think are safe because no one ever treads there. We'll be going there and poaching their supporters. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Spike. Hope to see you at Penn State in the fall. Have a good one. Hey, absolutely, man. Hope to see me where? Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to set it up. Let's do it. Let's do Penn State. That would be great. Right. Awesome. All right, man. Have, have, a good have a great night. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, let's do it. We're we're. I've already been talking with Anthony Welty. We're going to be doing a, a five state campus, a five campus tour in Washington State. Um, let's do this. Let's go where we're told we're never going to get any supporters, and let's get all of them because we can. Because we're in a unique situation right now where we've been told that Republicans and Democrats, they own this vote, the Republicans own this vote, and the Democrats own this vote, but we're seeing protests on the streets by people across the political spectrum, people who are saying, this system sucks, and I hate it, 
and it needs to change. And they're protesting people in their own party because they recognize how bad it is. Um, 702 area code. Uh, thanks for calling. Who am I speaking with? Hi, my name is Margie Gold. I'm sorry, your name is what? Margie Gold. Margie, thank you so much for calling. How can I help you? Hey, um, you know, what, what I was interested in is very much getting, we failed to get in the last election. I voted libertarian in the last election hmm. because 2016 was the very, very final straw. And, um, and now I am, I'm voting, of course, libertarian. Um, you, we have, I agree with you that it is vitally important that we get into the debate. Mm-hmm. But again, we might not be let in because, you know, because it's not really, it's because they can let you in or not be, be based on any arbitrary number. Right, right. One of the most hilarious things was about this whole Tulsa debacle was all the elitism, all of the isms, that they counted on and it was completely upended by a whole bunch of non-traditional millennial right. and zoomer mm-hmm. uh, how can we take advantage of that or uh you know what is our plan b so that's that's an excellent question. You're referencing the fact that so uh, when Donald Trump had it, for those who don't know what what um, what Margie's talking about, the uh, uh, Donald Trump recently had his first rally since the COVID nineteen pandemic started in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, mm-hmm. they they were reporting that there were over a million people that had signed up to be in this rally, and that there was going to be overflow of people, and it, it, something like seven thousand people showed up. In a sta- in a stadium with like twenty that could fit twenty thousand, and they had overflow outside and became a big embarrassment. And part of the reason for that was because uh, there was on TikTok and some other platforms used by uh, you know teenagers. They came up with this pl- plan because the tickets were free to basically reserve all the tickets, and that made it harder for them to be able to, to fill those spots. Now, it also looks like uh, there just wasn't nearly as much interest in general uh, for for it, but the bottom line is they, they certainly have been ha- were, were helpful in that, and it shows that they're engaged. There's, it shows that they're engaged in, in upending things and, and changing things. So to answer your question, what is our plan B in general? Obviously, we want to get on that debate stage. We think if we do, that it's all over, that at that point, it's our race to lose. I think that it'll present such a contrast between the two of us if we do not like you said the uh the commission on presidential debates uh if we get that 15 percent, they may at the last minute go uh uh well we meant 20 percent, or actually we meant it has to be in 10 opinion polls or uh we actually might you know they, we don't we don't count these polls anymore we don't see them as reputable so you didn't qualify yeah no, something similar happened to uh, uh a 2018 arizona uh, libertarian for governor mm-hmm um, something like that was challenging at the very last possible minute, right. um, the validity of certain signatures, but it yeah. was a dirty GOP trick, mm-hmm. but, but that was my concern about the magic numbers. Yeah. And that's an excellent question. So the, the short answer is we are not, 
relying on the debate. We believe that if we get on that debate stage, it's all over, but we're not relying on the debate. We are relying on, on, on grassroots growing through grassroots campaigning at the local level and also through viral marketing on social media, which is increasingly the way that people consume news and information. The, the dying news media with every day is that much less influential and social media is that much more influential. And we have incredible footing in social media, especially considering our campaign has just been getting started. Uh, so we will be affecting mm-hmm. as much change as we possibly can and helping not just to bring people to the Libertarian Party and get people to vote for us and all of the, the, the people up and down the, the ballot, but also arguably more importantly, long-term, changing the cultural conversation. Part of the problem is that... Mm-hmm. Most Americans think that there's only Republicans and Democrats, and the the entire argument they hear is just a bunch of people arguing over how government should grow, how much bigger it should be, how much more involved in our lives it should be. We want to change that argument over to what we have to say, which is whether government should even be involved in these things, If it, how much better we would do as individuals working together in cooperation and competition to solve the problems that we face that are often imposed upon us by those very self-same bad government policies. We want to move the conversation towards that. So we are not relying on the debates. We, we believe the debates will... will end the show for for you know the republicans and democrats but we aren't relying on it we are relying on our grassroots we are relying on social media we are relying on relying on uh, earned media by making the most principled and bold uh, uh position statements and 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 presenting a incredibly dynamic and engaging way of presenting our policies in a way that will you won't be able to not pay attention to us. Even if the media tries to shut us out, the people will want to see it and it will grow in an organic way. And it already is. The video we put out today, it's already got something close to a quarter of a million total views and we haven't paid a penny promoting it. We haven't paid a penny promoting mm-hmm. it. And it's just been on the strength of that message that it's already getting out there. So, uh, you know, that's so, you know, we are going to get more attention in this election cycle than we've ever gotten before exponentially so and i'm confident that we will that we will win it yeah um yeah my uh some of my uh blue relatives Mm -hmm. and relatives are and red relatives are coming around is just like are having their little damascus moment you know (laughs) man i've been blind all these years right exactly yeah i i i saw the light four years ago you're not alone Yep, and that's the thing. We're all on a journey getting to to understanding this this you know where they are in liberty. And uh, you know, I'm grateful for what you're doing to help open up the eyes of people around you. And that's what millions of other people around this country are doing right now. And it is working. We are seeing the fruits of that labor every single day. And uh, I am grateful for what you are doing. And I, I hope I was able to answer your question. You were, and uh, to my satisfaction. Thank you thank, very much. Thank you very much. Have a great night. I appreciate it. You too. Wow, right after. 318 area code, thank you for calling. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Spike. This is Gracie in Louisiana. Hey, Gracie. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How can I help you? So, my, I'm, I am a relatively new libertarian. 2016 was a turning point for me as well. Okay. Um, I, I'm a reformed liberal, I guess you could say. Okay. Uh, but my question is, do you think there's anything right now that the, I want to say it's government funded, but we all know that's taxpayer funded. Mm-hmm. Is there anything the government provides to us that cannot be privatized? Well, that's an excellent question. So I would say the short answer is I think all things ideally are best provided by the free market. I also recognize that 
we aren't in a position to just be able to go in and snap our fingers and all government goes away and we just have by the way 417 area code thank you for calling i'm having to put you through to voicemail because i'm i'm on this call but uh please try calling back in a few minutes um i can't just snap my fingers and make government go away and if i did or and i shouldn't even say make government go away i can't snap my fingers and make the free market take over and if i did a lot of people would turn around and go what the hell did you just do and they'd go back to try to form whatever new government they could form because we have and the the libertarian party talks about this the cult of the omnipotent state the idea that a majority of people have a pretty large majority of people have that we need that government is this benevolent force that is helping us every day and that you know we we couldn't do well without it and i think we need to be dealing injecting our ideas into the cultural conversation and affecting the global marketplace of ideas so that people can eventually work their way over to our way of thinking. I also recognize that there are people who are on, for example, government assistance. Uh, you know, we talk about the welfare state, we talk about Medicare, we talk about Medicaid. This isn't because people are lazy and irresponsible. I mean, there are certainly some people that are in positions like that because they're lazy and irresponsible. There are people that are wealthy that are lazy and irresponsible. It's not really why they're in that situation. They're in that situation because the government has put them in that situation with the ridiculous burdens and barriers and impositions that we've been talking about on this episode and have talked about countless other times that put people into generational poverty and force them in a situation where they need the so-called benevolence of government. They need that social safety net. You know, we like to say that government comes in, and I think I think it was... Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was Harry Brown that first started saying this. I'm not sure. But um, he said government comes in and and beats us up and uh, takes our money and then buys us a crutch and says, without you, uh, without us, you wouldn't even have that crutch. Um, But I'm also not a fan of just stepping in right now and stealing, taking that person's crutch. That doesn't help them. And it certainly doesn't make them want to join my side. I would rather put help... Uh, you know, remove that harm that's being done that makes them even want that crutch to begin with. Um, so I would rather work on uh, demonstrating over time by through, you know, by concrete steps to free people in various ways, big and small, so that they see that they don't need government and that the free market can can provide those things to them. So you th- do you think it's a question of the fear of change? Because, I mean, studies have shown privatized charities through churches and individual donations they give much more of their income to the cause, whereas government-funded or taxpayer-funded charities, mm-hmm. I want to say the last study I read said 70% of that just went to keeping people employed at those places. Yeah, that so sounds 30% about right. goes to the, the cause. I mean, when you show people these facts and statistics and they're still scared to change, how do you? How can we get through to people like that? Because it is fear, and you've got to feel bad for them, but I'm just, you know, you want to show them that this can be done. Just try it, and they will not try it. Well, it, it is. It's a fear thing. It's fear, and it's also, you know, it's easy for us to say that these things will work, but people don't necessarily see it. And part of the reason they don't see it is because it's often illegal for us to help people. So, for example, in yeah. most parts of the country, it's illegal to feed homeless people unless you pay ten, if you pay unless you pay thousands or in some cases tens of thousands of dollars in government compliance costs before you can give that first sandwich to a homeless person. And so we've had libertarians but, but, that have actually go ahead. I'm sorry. The mo- I, I was on the board of directors for a cat shelter, and we would do bake sales where people would come and buy our baked products. Right. And uh, they came in and said, oh, you can't sell that. It's dangerous. Exactly. So they, like shut our charity down yep. because they were afraid we were going to give people food poisoning or something. And it was that was we were helping people and the government yep. just got in the way like they tend to do. 
it's just very frustrating. I that think, is, a, you know, and, and that is a it is frustrating, and I can't even imagine how frustrated you must be from that. And that is an exactly perfect example of what I am talking about. You were selling cookies or selling baked goods or whatever you were selling to help cats in a cat shelter and the government stepped in and went no 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 this is something this is far too helpful and and has far too little of our involvement and so the short answer to your question is we have to get into positions of influence we have to affect the cultural conversations that people recognize that government is making these problems worse and creating problems and making it so that we can't fix these problems and then we get into position of power get into positions of power and influence where we can change these regulations so that you can have a bake sale to help cats and you can feed sandwiches to the homeless and you can help people and we and we remove the barriers that put people in those situations of even needing help in the first place and create more people mm. who are helping others and it is you know I wish I wish I could tell you that there was just a way again that I could snap my fingers and it would change it and it can be incredibly frustrating dealing with people who don't recognize what's happening in front of them and the only thing I can tell you is that this is the this is the fight of the happy warriors and we have to keep moving ahead and keep plowing forward with a dynamic and engaging and empathetic way of presenting our ideas uh, so that we can win hearts and minds and change the conversation. And it, it's not going to happen overnight. I do think we have a serious chance of winning this election. And when that happens, both up and down the ballot, we will have all sorts of people in positions to be able to start affecting those changes, not just at the political level by changing laws and regulations and enforcement and so forth, but also at the cultural level where people are seeing, no, government is not helping you. Government is harming you. Government is making yeah. these things worse. And as you said, things are done better by people voluntarily interacting with each other. Because of course they would. Absolutely. Because, because no one has I a gun to anyone's head. Stage. Thank you thank so you. much for taking my call. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, and if uh, caller 417 area code, I will take your call and then we're going to wrap things up because it's 930 already. Uh, but... Um, Wow. I was going to go through to hopefully this is, is this 417. Yes, 417. Nope, it's not 417. 435. 435 area code. Thank you for calling. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. 435 area code. Thank you for calling. Uh, uh, who am I speaking with? Uh, my name's Curtis, and I live in southwest Utah. Curtis, thank you so much for calling. Uh, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, man. How can I help you? Hey, so just kind of referring back to that last question that you were just asked, um, privatizing things like fire departments and EMS, that sort of thing, how do you feel about that? So I think that, you know, it, I think that any service can be be provided by the free market. Uh, it is not my top priority to, you know, try, try to force government, state and city governments to privatize their, their first responders. Uh, but I will say that I think, you know, if those communities are allowed to seek their own solutions, that being able to have competing providers will be a good way to make sure people are getting the best service possible. Uh, but it's not priority one. Priority one in terms of first response is removing the militarization of our police forces, holding harmful government officials, including police, accountable so that uh, bad policing and bad government actions are punished and held accountable and good policing and good government actions are rewarded or at least not punished. Uh, and then from there, and also removing the federal, uh, you know, the endless federal trough of federal taxpayer money and, and federal federal reserve printed note money uh, to kind of make the states make more 
uh, decisions based on what those individual states and communities want. Allow individual communities to determine the way that they get the services that they're having to pay for. And if those communities start deciding, hey, you know what, let's just allow for competing providers to start competing and having and competing for providing these services, then that's up to those communities to, to decide. And I don't think the, the Fed should be stepping in one way or another. I, I personally believe that free markets would provide these services better, but it's it's not a pro, you know it's not a priority of mine to try to shove that down people's throats. I, but I think communities should be able to to choose those things if they do so wish to do so. Awesome. Yeah, just wildfires are a huge issue that we have around here. So things like that are very important. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is because of my personal belief about how first first uh, first response should be provided, that I force something on a market that isn't even ready for it. And then we end up having wildfires blow out of control as a result of it. So that would be a perfect example. Exactly. Allow, allow, the market, allow the market to not have massive jolts that are happening as a result of government action, but instead over time to be able to, to meet the equilibrium of demand in that given community, which in your example would you know be a large demand for uh, protection against you know, wildfires and things like that. Awesome. Well, thanks, Spike. I really appreciate you talking to us. Hey, thanks, Chris. Have a great night. You as well. Thank you. Bye. So, folks, it is now 930, and I'm starting to think the 417 area code's not going to call back. And I feel terrible because that person called me multiple times. So, if you're the 417 area code person, be sure to inbox me at Spike Cohen. And don't lie about it because I'll know if it was you or not. I honestly won't know. Oh, we got one more. Call. Okay, we're going to, this will be the last call and it's not 417. So, 515 area code, thanks for calling. Uh, who am I speaking with? Yeah, my name is Caitlin from Iowa. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, Caitlin. How are you? I can't complain. I'm just watching your live stream and I wanted to give you a call. Oh, hey, thanks for calling. It's great to talk with you. How can I help you? So my question is, I'm part of the Joe Jorgensen meme group that's going around where we create memes and share them in order to help kind of, you know, spread the word about the campaign. What are better ways that we can be supporting you guys right now? Besides memeing? I don't know. Memes are the the biggest thing right now, right? (laughs) Uh, No. So besides memeing, (laughs) uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for your support and all of your help and your memes. Uh, I will always say libertarians have the dankest memes. Uh, it is, uh, it is absolutely fantastic that we have the, the libertarian meme army behind us. So thank you so much for that. Um, and I think I had addressed this with a, with a previous caller, but like I would say, if you haven't joined, uh, the libertarian party, both national and your state and local parties, uh, you know, be sure to reach out to them. That's where the grassroots stuff's going to be happening as, as the, as the, you know, orders for lack of a better word, start working their way down on how we're going to coordinate nationwide at the grassroots level. That's where it's going to be at. Um, if you want to join the campaign team, uh, volunteering directly, uh, be sure to go to JoeJ2020.com. That's J-O-J-2020.com. Fill out the volunteer form. Be patient. Uh, we have had thousands of people reach out. We are incredibly great. Actually, tens of thousands at this point of people reaching out to join. And we are doing our best to work through that list and, and you know, onboard as many volunteers as possible. Uh, so please be patient on that front. The more immediate action is going to happen by joining your state and local party because they got stuff that you can start doing right now. Um, so I would say do that. Um, share our content. 
uh, tell people around you, uh, you know, how, how you support us, write letters to your local editors, call into your local, uh, you know, call in rate, you know, talk radio, uh, and tell them why you're supporting us and, and, you know, your beliefs on Liberty and, and so forth. Uh, if you are the type of person that likes to communicate these types of ideas with people, be sure to do so, you know, whenever you have a chance, I again, encourage you to be kind and empathetic and magnanimous. Pretend, I, let me tell you about the filters. Uh, have you, have you heard about the filters? My ideas of, of how I've, to use. No, I have not heard about okay. the filters. So for those, for you and for those who are watching, let me, let me break down the filters real quick. There are three filters I use when I'm talking with people about, uh, our, my beliefs and I might be getting heated because maybe they're not being the kindest in dealing with me. They might be calling me selfish or saying I'm just helping the Republicans or I'm just helping the Democrats or they may just be insulting right. me or whatever. And if and if it's still at a point where I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna just disengage because they're just being a total jerk, but I still want to engage, but I'm starting to feel myself get a little bit heated about it. I use three filters to help try to keep me grounded. And if these three filters don't work in that moment, I disengage. And they've gotten better over time. Here are my my three filters. The first one is pretend that every person on earth is watching you have this conversation, especially if it's on social media, because there's a good chance that thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people are watching it. And if they aren't watching it right then, they may read it in the future, even years later or months later. So you want to be, if there's a conversation between people, you want to be the one being kind and generous and logical and thoughtful and not fighting insult with insult. You want the the person you're disagreeing with to look like the jerk because even if you don't change their mind, you might change the minds of hundreds or even thousands of people who you may never know you changed their minds or at least help planted that seed by being kind. Second filter that I use is pretend that you're talking to yourself back when you weren't a libertarian because most of us are are you someone who came here from another political belief or have you always been a libertarian? Yeah, I was raised conservatively, um, but I actually just changed my voter registration about a week ago to oh, libertarian. Well, th well, thank you very much. But so you used to be a conservative. So when you're talking to people, uh, pretend you're talking to your conservative self or if you're if you used to be a progressive, if you're one of the people that used to be a progressive you're talking to your progressive self. I pretend I'm talking to mid, early to mid-20s neocon Spike who thought war was fantastic and we should be bombing even more countries than we're currently bombing. And I think, how would neocon Spike, who is so wrong that I'm embarrassed that I even used to think that way, but how, is, how would neocon Spike want someone to talk to him and treat him if they had any hope of changing his mind or at least planting a seed for the future. And the third one that I use is right. pretend that you are talking to someone who is the person that you care about more than any other person on earth and they just happen to vehemently disagree with you on this particular subject and maybe aren't being very kind about it. Those are the three filters I use and I find that they help me to stay grounded and remember that the most important thing in any conversation is to have a conversation. If they want to debate, Tell them that that's interesting and ask them more about what they think. Always bringing it back to what your beliefs are, but doing it in an agreeable conversational way where they don't feel threatened. And more importantly, the many, many people who are going to witness this also don't feel threatened and don't feel that you are threatening people and that you are actually having quite an engaging conversation. And again, if those don't work and you're feeling yourself getting too heated, it is better for you to walk away from that conversation or that debate than for you to continue and end up beating your head against the wall and feeling really upset and 
possibly looking less graceful than you would want to in front of a bunch of people. So these are the types of things that you can do uh, outside of making memes, but make, keep making memes. Don't let anything get in the way of your making memes. Don't let your memes, <laughs> don't let your memes just be dreams. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all of your advice and insight. You know, this is the first time I've ever really gotten into politics, but I'm very amped and just absorbing a, a lot of information. So keep on fighting the good fight. You too. You keep fighting the good fight too. And thank you so much. Thank you for your meme service and have a great evening. <laughs> you too, Spike. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, guys, it is 937. I am definitely packing it in. I am actually closing my hangouts so that no one else can call me. I'm so sorry. If I missed your call, uh, be sure to reach out to me on Spike Cohen on Facebook or on at Real Spike Cohen on Twitter. Or I guess you can reach out to me on Money Waters Media as well, uh, all over social media. And uh, I really, really, really appreciate everyone tuning in and listening to what I had to say. Uh, be sure to tune in again on Friday. I will be doing an AMA on the main, on Ask Me Anything, on the main, on the Joe Jorgensen social media. So that will be on uh, YouTube and on Facebook. And I think on her Periscope too, but I'm not sure. I, I know it'll be on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and uh, that's right, LaQuinn, don't let your memes just be dreams. And uh, and yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in so much. Uh I am I am trying to keep up with all the interviews I've been doing and as they come forward and as they get broadcast and 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 uh published I'm putting them on my page. Uh so you will see plenty of interviews that I've been on and appearances I've been on. Just keep following me at real spike Cohen on Twitter and uh spike Cohen on Facebook and be sure if you if you like what I'm saying. If you agree with what I'm saying and want to help help our down ballot candidates. Because we can't do all of this at the federal level, at the at the presidential level. We can't do everything as much as I'd like to. And there's a lot we can do, but we need to win across the board. So help your down-ballot candidates. Check out on my social media. I try to share at least one down-ballot candidate a day. And if when you see them come up, like their page, follow their page. If you're moved by what they, uh, you know, by what they're doing, you know, help to volunteer or at least share their content or whatever. You know, let's become a an army of happy warriors that are sharing a dynamic and engaging message of liberty, something that no one else is sharing at a time when all any uh, the Democrats and Republicans have to offer is just the same cynical lies and pandering over and over again. Let's present something so dynamic and so new and yet so deeply rooted in something that makes such intuitive sense once we've stripped away all of the nonsense that they've been fed the republicans and democrats let's be the people to do that and let's share things in a way that has never been shared before let's remake this party and this movement in our own image a kind image a dynamic image an engaging image an empathetic and kind image an image that is sharing a message of liberty as a message of ending and reducing harm and as a message of helping people around us. And I appreciate your support. I will see you on Friday on the Joe Jorgensen page. Uh, come right back here to Muddy Waters Media Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern for the Muddy Waters of Freedom where Matt Wright and I will parse through the week's events like the sweet summer boys we are. And then tune in here again next Wednesday for the anniversary episode of My Fellow Americans second anniversary episode of my fellow americans wednesday at 8 p.m thank you so much again for tuning in folks can't wait to see you on friday be sure to tune in on friday and god bless you
my skin, my friend. In reality, you were my kin. Though I view the world through another's eyes. If you slide in my kicks, it might fit. We might just unite and come together, become hybrid. At the least, slightly like-minded. Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness. All you need is a sign. Put a cease to the crimes. Put an ease to the minds like mine. Sometimes darkness is all I find. You know what they say about an eye for an eye and a time with the blind lead the blind. Who am I to deny I would cry when a loved one dies? I recognize that body outside with the holes in the body that was alive. Now they find with a chalk outline. Find out how, but you never know why. It ain't even make it to the news at night. It ain't even make it to the news at night. That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son. That's one of mine. All these tears, I close my eyes. Open up to only find I'm in line.